Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today, if you have your Bibles ready, we'll be in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 2. I entitled this simply, Hope and Salvation. Here is the first half of this two-part study. So, hope and salvation... We'll look at God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. We kind of gave you the uh, beginning of the chapter last week, just going over who the author was and who he was writing to. He was writing to the Jews that were scattered. That's the audience that he's writing to. But there are Gentiles that he's writing to as well. And, and the Jews have been refugees now and forced out of Jerusalem and out of Israel. And now they're in uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And, and as they're being pushed out, they're being pressed. They're being pressed. And, and so, so Peter is writing to them. And one of the first things he does is in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who were chosen, right? Chosen. So that's really the first thing we have to look at. Now, when you go to look at those places on the map, there are no places that are listed as Cappadocia or Pontus or Galatia. Actually, those places are now just Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And so that's where we're looking at. That's what it is. Um, so the first thing that we have to deal with is the foreknowledge of God or chosen uh, in that piece of scripture because uh, it says who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father so God the Father and, and this is something that we spend much time arguing about whether it's reformed theology or Calvinism um, what's your stances on it it's what we do is we'll spend a lot of time arguing the theology of this and we have to remember that God the Father is infinite we're finite and so when we get into this argument of chosen and elect we we go back to what scripture says right uh, that's the best thing to guide you is use scripture to interpret scripture right that's what we're supposed to do in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. And in Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30, For those whom he foreknew, 
he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and these whom he predestined he also called and these whom he called he also justified and these whom he justified he also glorified the truth is is understanding that God has chosen you right if you belong to him God has chosen you and and God picked us he's infinite he stands outside of time he knows who he's elected he knows who he's predestined and so the question will come up is then why do you do an altar call and if he's pre-chosen you why do you have free will that's the argument right and they'll spend a lot of time there's a lot of theology on this if you want to go down a deep deep rabbit hole you can um, I would tell you it's you know at the end of the day it's one of the things that we have to do is when we look at this it's your your faith your choice it's your step by cooperating with his election that's the easiest way to remember it because if we remember John 3:16, it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life everyone has the opportunity as our pastor would say you're all elect it's whether or not you choose to grab the rope and be pulled out of the water when you're drowning and and if we go on to verse 17 and 18 of John 3 it says for God did not send his son into the world to judge the world but so that the world might be saved through him and the one who believes in him is not judged the one who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God I love the way that Skip Isaac puts this together because as you deal with this there's a lot of argument that goes back and forth on this and for for Calvary Chapel we always take a balanced approach of scripture so Chuck has a book that he has written on reformed theology or Calvinism but we we when you look at Armenianism or Calvinism we always take a balanced approach of it we're not too far Pentecostal we're not running around screaming and barking like dogs up and down the aisles but we're not reformed in that manner we we believe that everyone has been elected but you have the free will and you have to choose to follow Christ we have a balanced approach of it and and so when we look at this pastor skip explained it this way he says here is what it's like a man is drowning and a rope is thrown out to him the rope can the rope alone cannot save that man the man has to grab a hold of the rope or he'll just go and drown he's gone he's got to grab a hold of the rope but even even that is not enough somebody on the shore who threw the rope has to pull him in and so God's election is throwing the rope but God's election is also pulling us in that's the easiest way to, to try to get it so we by our will our choice is to grab a hold of the rope and God always makes the first move I didn't save me God did okay that's probably the easiest thing you need to remember is you weren't <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit that was just pounding on your heart like man I, I got to stop what I'm doing I need to turn to Christ and, and and so he initiates it that's why we have in first John chapter 4 where he says when he love when we love him because what he first loved us he first loved us so our response is to that invitation
So try not to, like, like I said, there's a lot of written, written theology on this, and you can go down some deep, deep rabbit holes. If that's your thing, praise God, go for it. But I tell you what, a lot of times when people go down the rabbit hole, they get more confused as they go. So just be careful with that. Uh, it says, by the sanctifying work, and, and, and so when we, we talk about the according, you're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, it's God the Father that does that. It's God the Father that elects. It's God the Father that has stand outside of time. He initiates. He's, he's infinite and you're finite. So just remember that part of it. And then we see the, uh, the work of the Spirit by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Now this is the, the part of the scripture I love because it's, it's sanctification. It's, it's chosen to be set apart. So what's, what's the process? You're justified, right? You go through justification, sanctification, glorification. A lot of you are like, man, this is theology is blowing my head. Let's just, let me explain it this way. Justification is just as if you did not sin. But, but easiest way to remember it. So when you come to faith, your past, your present, your future sins are forgiven. But you're probably thinking to yourself, like I did when I first became a believer, Jesus died 2,000 years ago. My sins, like their stuff, they didn't have back then. No, sexual morality still happened back then, right? All that stuff, there's nothing new under the sun. But when you think about that, just let your mind wrap around that for a second. Your past your present and your future sins are forgiven. Like even the ones that God knows is going to happen, they've been forgiven because of the blood of Christ, because you're justified. Sanctification is where you're set apart. Sanctification is the work that the Holy Spirit does in you to prepare you for heaven. And glorification is your birth into heaven when you take your last breath on this earth and you're born into heaven. And you received a glorified body. And there, you're living in a place where there's no sin. Where there's no more tears. No more illness. But the sanctifying work has to happen in your life and mine. It happens throughout our day. Throughout our, our lives and our marriages and our families. And Peter's reminding us that this work is being done through, through those who God has chosen. Through the Spirit of God, He served, and, and, and it's the Spirit that leads and guides. And, and so you understand the Spirit is not a force. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. It's a He. He's a He. It, if, you, if you have any questions on that, there's a teaching we did last year on the Holy Spirit, on the book that we did under His influence, The Power of the Holy Spirit. You can go through that and it explains all of it. It gives you all the scriptures that break that down. Even to the point where the Spirit speaks. Oh yeah. It's in scripture. And, and so the power of the Holy Spirit that, that helps us, empower us as we go through sanctification. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, But we should always give thanks to the Lord for your brothers and sisters, beloved, by the Lord, because God has chosen you. From the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and the faith in truth. Like the, it is the spirit through the sanctification by the spirit. 
It's like you have one of the greatest powers, the, the power that resurrected Jesus, the Holy Spirit operating within you and trying to sanctify you. And that wisdom and that ability of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is, is challenging the things that you, that you follow. Challenges the, the temptations that you go under. He's trying to guide and direct you. And trying to help you with the demands and the temptations of this world. You know when you are in sin. You know when you're talking to somebody you're not supposed to be talking to. You know when you're looking at something you're not supposed to be looking at. The Holy Spirit's letting you know, hey, you need to stop. The temptation, like, that's part of the sanctifying work is for you to turn from that and walk away from it. Or turn it off. But you don't do it. And, and, and it's the Holy Spirit that is guiding and strengthening us to, to be able to even walk the walk of Christ as a believer. It's that empowerment, that sanctification that happens. And I told them yesterday, one of the things that really break my heart is like, we walk from a place of victory. We don't walk from a place of being a victim. Too many Christians are playing victim. Okay? Like your past has been forgiven. Your past is forgiven because you belong to Christ. So why do you have to keep bringing it up to somebody? But Christians will do that. We don't want to grant forgiveness. We want to keep beating them over the, the head with, the, with the, the sin that they did. We have family members that are like that. Now, he's teaching the word. Man, I knew him back when he was 17. He was a mess. He shouldn't have anything to do with whatever God's doing. They don't know me. They don't know the man that I am now. They don't know the work that God's doing in me. But it's even worse when that person's a Christian. I can take that all day long from an unbeliever. But when somebody's a follower of Christ and they won't forgive me of my past indiscretions, that's all part of the sanctifying work of the, of the Spirit. And, and we walk from a place of victory. Because one of the things that we have victory in is that we have the Holy Spirit. That should bring you joy. So sanctification just is simply this. It is a lifelong process. And it does not terminate until you go home to be with the Lord. When you're done and God calls your number, you're done. You're on to glorification. But as you're here, He's working in you to make you more like Christ. Not more like you. If you're turning more into you, something's wrong. If you're going back to the old you, something's wrong. You're called to be a new creation in Christ. That's part of the sanctifying work of Christ. But if you're going back to the old you, you need to stop today and you need to ask, okay, Lord, what is it that's going on in my life that needs to go? Why am I not being obedient? Why am I not following? What is going on? I thought that person was dead. Man, let me tell you something. When that old man creeps up, it creeped up for me this week. And I had my daughter driving me crazy. Gave wisdom, gave discernment, gave... I had family members give her wisdom, give her discernment. And comes in tearful this past Sunday. And then Monday, Tuesday, ready to go to Colorado Springs. Dad had enough. And unfortunately, that old man... The hand came out of the grave, and I embarrassed myself and my wife. 
But I was trying to reach my daughter because I was like, I don't know what else it's going to take for, for you to get this. But there's no excuse for it. Even as a pastor, as a man, as a husband, as a father, right? We all have that old man or that old woman trying to creep out. And I looked at my wife. I said, I need to, I need to ask for forgiveness. And then I need to talk to her later on. Because I, I turned back into old Mike, the old dad. You ever have somebody that can pull that out of you very quickly? And then my daughter's just like, here's a stumbling block. And I, but that's the importance of like, I don't want that old man to come up. So I need to confess that. I need to like the Holy Spirit's letting me know that Mike, that can't happen. That's the old Jew. That hadn't happened in years. But this is still part of the sanctifying work that's going on within you. This is going on in every one of us. The way that you handle things. Man, why did I get short with that person on the phone? God's doing a work in you. He's letting you know. Like, would you have caught that years before? No. You would have been like, I'm going to get short with the next person that calls me on the phone. <laughs> it's like, no. It's, it's a continued work of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 6, verse 19 says, I'm not speaking in human terms because of weakness of your flesh. For just as you were presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness so that so now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification so we are to become slaves to righteousness in Romans chapter 6 verses 22 but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life these are just verses on sanctification. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But by his doing, you, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual morality. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4 that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And then finally in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. So sanctification is something that's happening to every believer. We're all called to be holy. We're all called to be set apart. And we're all called to be a new creation in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore if anyone is in Christ. This person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. And behold the new, new things have come. And so one of the things that we understand. Is that salvation. Christ has brought you from the kingdom of darkness. Into the kingdom of light. So when you, when you left the world of sin. You left darkness into light. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, it says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and the light. For he rescued us from the domain uh, of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. So you are part of sanctification, starts at the new birth, and, uh, and that process will continue on. You are to become more like Christ until we meet Christ. And, and it is God's will that you would be sanctified. 
So what is God's will for your life? This is one of the things that people struggle with quite a bit. I think one of the first things we have to see is that, that in, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many received me, to him he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. First off, as we receive Christ, we are children of God. And he desires to lead us in Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So your foundation will be level when the spirit of God is leading you. But if you're leading you, when you're on that shaky ground, that's you. That's you. Uh, you're leading you. Like a lot of you are like driving and driving and you're leading your life and driving yourself. And then the moment your life goes bad, you're like, that's when you do carry underwood. Jesus, take the wheel. And you're not supposed to be driving in the first place. But that's what happens. Like, that's a prayer for your life. Psalm 143.10, teach me to do your will. Would you pray that for your life? But when he's teaching you, are you going to be a, a good student? See, we have teachers in here. They know what it's like to have students that don't listen. It's... It's hard, but it's like if you want to be led by the Spirit, you have to be led to level ground. You know, understanding the will of God is so, it's in Scripture time and time again. So part of our sanctification is knowing God's will for our life. You know, we, we, we know that the will of God, as we look at sanctification, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So part of the will of God is for you to rejoice, to pray, and give thanks. How are you doing in that? I don't know what the will of God is in my life. Are you praying? Are you giving thanks? Are you rejoicing in Christ? Are you grumbling or growing? A lot of grumblers today in the church. Not growing. Spiritual growth is the key. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. For such is the will of God, that by doing right, you silence the ignorance of foolish people. By you walking in obedience with God, you silence all the ignorant, foolish people. When they're questioning or they're, they're coming at you, you ain't got nothing to defend. I'm good. God will defend me. Because why? I'm stepping into the will of God. I'm not doing my will. The things that I'm doing, I'm doing is for such as the will of God. And, and, and people will discount believers' words. They'll discount their integrity. They'll, they'll discount their walks. But all we do is we be important to live a life that is, the, a life that is such as the will of God. This is one that people struggle with. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual morality. What is sexual morality? Right? Husband, wife, married, male, female. I have to say that now because of all the other mess. Marriage bed. That's considered worship to God. When a husband and wife have relations, it's considered worship to God. 
if you bring in pornography, if you bring in extramarital stuff, you're, you're in sexual morality, even if you're married. If you're single and living together with somebody, you're in sexual morality if you are having relations. So you're going against the will of God. If you're looking at pornography, sexual morality, that all goes against the will of God. So part of doing the will of God is to abstain from sexual morality. And we have a nation that's troubled with that. Our nation is struggling with sexual morality. We have a pornographic nation, the United States. The reason why we have so much sex trafficking is because of the United States. We use more pornography in the United States than any other nation. We have become Babylon. And we have to turn back to Christ. But for you, part of your sanctification is to do what? Abstain from sexual morality. Why? It's the will of God. And God will give you the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do it. Understand that. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. One of the things we are to do is to be transformed and renewed daily. Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt and Light and you'll find it. 